0: Today's episode is sponsored by the Flipped Learning Global Initiative. Take a look. See how we can help. BAM Radio Network.
1: There's a lot in the education system that's great and good, um, but a lot of those good things can't happen because of the nature of the work. Hello and welcome to Teacher's Aid, strategies, tools, and tactics for the very personal challenges teachers face. Here are your hosts... John Harper and Mandy Frelick.
0: You didn't go to school for four plus years and spend your summers honing your craft and your money buying cool stuff just so you can be told how to teach, what to teach, and when to teach it. This isn't what you signed up for. You see the smiles and enthusiasm draining from your students' faces, and you know why. They won't cut you loose. Let you do what you know how to do, what you're good at. And so try as you may, school just isn't fun anymore. You put on the happiest face you can, and you muster up a fake smile, but the kids see right through it. Like your students, you can't wait for the final bell to ring. What can we do about this? Mandy's not here, and today I'm speaking with Trevor Muir, who I'm hoping can help us out. Trevor, thanks so much for joining me, man. What do you think about the teaching profession has changed that is causing fewer and fewer people to consider as a career? I mean, going to the job fair, there's almost nobody there. It's really hard to fill positions. What do you think
1: has changed? Well, yeah, I I can't really speak to what's changed, but I can tell you. That this last year I went to the Netherlands and I met with a lot of different teachers and there was something that just jumped out at me that doesn't really strike me uh, when I get to meet with a lot of teachers here is that every one of them sees themselves as like this creative, uh, as like a designer, as, as this professional that does something more than just fulfills a role. Like when they plan lessons, when they plan their curriculum, they dive into it as if they're designing experiences for students. And, and this is just how the people carried themselves there. And, and I remember talking to people about like, what does it mean to be a teacher? And all of them, it, it was almost like as if they were talking about, they just got out of med school and they were diving into this <laughs> career. And I think they were viewed by the public that they live in as, as these really valuable, um, dynamic, professionals. And I mean this, that that's how I see teachers here where we live. You know, they're, they're, they're doing something incredibly important and they have to do years and years of preparation for it. And, and I've seen some incredible work by teachers, John. I mean, you, you've seen it too. There's just some phenomenal professionals in in the teaching profession all, all around us. And it's not just the ones that are connected and on the internet. And yet, you know, what's, what's the dominant public perception of teachers, Right. Like it's not good. Not good. I, I, I mean, can I tell you my opinion? Like you, you, you have, yeah. a, you, you have a secretary of education who, you know, just can't seem to say anything good about public school teachers. You've got, you know, politicians and media who think that they need to get paid less and that they have to like go and march in the street just to get paid a decent wage. Um, you've got media who portrays teachers as like these deliverers of content and all kids hate them inherently and kids just sit quiet. And then you've got the realities you've got high stakes testing and and all these things that try to put teachers in a specific type of box and i just think that the profession of a teacher is an inherently something that just can't be put into a box there's just so much to it um, you you definitely feel strongly
0: about that if that's the case the, the public perceptions bad, but why are so many teachers unhappy do you think it's because the public perception of them is just so abysmal i mean what? Why are so many people
1: unhappy, so many teachers unhappy? Well, so that's part of it, the public perception. Um, and then there's the reality of it. You know, I, I have people tell me all the time, um, older people saying, oh, my daughter wants to become a teacher. And I always tell her, no, don't do it. And I say, well, why is that? And they're like, well, just the stresses of the job nowadays and, then, and the restrictions that are coming around it and all that. And, you know, there's there's truth to that. I taught my first four years in a really high-tech, innovative, project-based learning school. And for most of my time there, we were just given this unbelievable amount of freedom to do whatever we wanted in the name of, of good teaching. And so we could do huge dynamic projects. We could take kids on hikes if we felt like it, it benefited the classroom. My, uh, I know it sounds silly. I, I would sometimes like hang from the ceiling to demonstrate certain things that I was teaching my students in history class and science class. And my principal would walk in and give me a crazy look, turn around and walk out. And it was just this amazing environment to do awesome stuff. And then I started working in another school that was much more t- traditional by nature. And I, I was at times allowed to do some really cool, awesome stuff. But then other times the system kicks in and it's like, oh, no, we can't have you doing that because we don't want to be perceived as an organization that isn't all about getting kids ready for college. Or we, we don't want people thinking that we're not preparing kids for the SAT or that we're not adhering to the common core or all these things. And so it, a lot of that kind of stuff was shut down. And not intentionally, not because leadership doesn't believe in it, but because we do have a system that really puts a lot of emphasis on high-stakes testing, on making sure kids get certain types of grades. And you know, my brand of doing things and the brand that a lot of teachers could see themselves the way they want to teach doesn't really fit in that system.
0: I definitely hear what you're saying. What can teachers get away with, still have fun, keep kids engaged, and not lose their jobs? I mean, we want to make teaching more fun, but play by the rules, and sort of, in a way, not get caught doing these fun things. I mean, obviously, I mean, this is this sounds crazy coming from an administrator, but the show is for teachers. So what can they do to make it more fun?
1: So I, I think we have to get away from this idea that fun and good learning are, are two separate things, that they can't coincide and exist together. Um, and I think a lot of administrators could could stand to to kind of hear that and let that sink in, that, that you can have fun and can learn in a deep and meaningful way. Matter of fact, you can learn in a better and more meaningful way if you're having fun.
0: Can you tell me a lesson that you taught this year that was fun? Your kids absolutely adored it. Yes. And they learned a whole hell of a lot.
1: Yeah. So there's this Jack London story called To Build a Fire. And it's all about this guy who goes out into the wilderness and gets stranded in the snow and he has to build a fire to survive. And he only has limited supplies and he ends up dying in the end. Sorry, spoiler alert, but uh-huh. it, you know, it came out a hundred years ago. You should have read it. Um, I, this is in the common court to actually teach this type of literature. And so I taught the students the literature. We got really into reading it. We had a lot of discussions about survival. And then on a Friday morning when it was snowing outside, I took all of my students outside into the woods behind our school, and we used the exact same supplies that Jack London's character used, and my students built a fire. And we had a big competition, who could build a fire the fastest? And then I busted out marshmallows that I secretly brought with me, and they cooked them. And then when the administrator came out and said, why are you guys doing a fire on school property? I said, oh, because we're reading a Jack London novel about building a fire, and we're making the literature come alive. They were cool with it? Well, I mean, there was like an eyebrow raise and I said, hey, right. hey we're going to take the same common assessment that the other English teachers are giving. And if it's any lower than any of theirs, then you know what? I'll never do a fire again. And guess what, John? There's, there, my students scored the same on the exam. You know what I mean? Like, they did and the they same remember
0: stuff. it. I mean, and you, you create an experience. And I heard, I heard those words that oftentimes people can't stand to hear, but they're not really bad words. Common core. What's your mindset? going into creating a lesson like that i mean you're in high school but you know first grade teachers might hear this middle school teachers might hear this i mean when you go into the common core how do you think about that
1: my mindset for all this stuff common core high stakes testing sat i'm not somebody that thinks that we just need to blow up the whole system and not do any of these things and that we have to you know pretend that the apocalypse occurred and we're rebuilding school from the ground up i don't think that's realistic And so the first thing I do is I recognize that there are some realities that we have to face as teachers. Um, So I I know that I have to prepare my students for high-stakes testing. And so my attitude is, how can I make the work that they're doing, the environment they're in, engaging and fun, and therefore engages them to want to go and learn that material? And so every day, if you walk by my classroom six hours a day, there's always music playing in between classes. And it's not just because I love listening to music, uh, because sometimes I don't feel like listening to music. It's because my kids, when I do that, they're already in this mindset that like, oh, I can unwind a little bit. Or I really love that song. That puts me in a better mood. And then if I have to do grammar practice or I'm having them learn MLA format and some of the stuff I don't enjoy teaching and they don't love learning, they're already at least in this mindset of like of this comfortability that they feel welcome in an environment that's fun for them. And they're bobbing, they're jamming. Okay, so. Yeah, it wakes them up. It gets them into it. Yeah. And you know what? Another thing is I never would dive right into a lesson and say, okay guys, first thing we're going to do today is learn how to make a cited page. You know, I'm always going to start class by, I do a thing called good things. I'll ask students, okay, hey, what's good going on in your life? You have five seconds to tell me what you did this weekend, or every time it's a kid's birthday, we'll sing happy birthday. And the rule is it's not how good you sing, it's how loud you sing. And so we try (laughs) to blow the doors off my classroom and embarrass a kid singing happy birthday to them. And they love it. And then when they're all done laughing Having fun, we say, okay, guys, now we're going to dig into this for a little bit.
0: And they do it. What are three things, I guess as a takeaway, what What are three things teachers could start tomorrow or for those that are on summer break next year that would make teaching more enjoyable for them and more enjoyable for their students that could make it more fun? What would you tell them?
1: I'd say that I, I would ask yourself the question, is my classroom a place that I would want to be an hour a day every day of the week? Aesthetically, what's the lighting in my room? Is it ugly fluorescent overhead lights or you know, did I buy some cheap lights at Target? that just at least like lower the mood a little bit? Do I have color on my walls? Um, What if
0: you can't can't control that.
1: No, yeah. And you know what? We can't control all that, but I'd be willing to bet that we can add, you know, something I did in my classroom. I didn't have money to go buy a bunch of art. Mm -hmm. And so I told my students, I said, hey, if you draw me a piece of art, something colorful, and actually, what I told him, I said, I want you to paint me something that defines the word epic, whatever that means. And my students did it, and I didn't pay for it or anything. And my principal's not going to tell me you can't put student artwork on the wall. And so, just doing that all of a sudden changed the shape of my class. Another thing I'd say is play music. It's easy. It's free if you can go on Pandora. So I'd say play music more, whether that's during student work time or before class. It helps set a mood. And this is something I haven't talked much about, but. You know, how do you create work that your students are doing? How do you tie some authenticity into the work? So whatever they're doing, how do you make it meaningful to to them? You know, can you bring in an authentic audience for whatever they're creating? If they're going to create children's books, can you have them read them to little kids at another school or read them to big kids at another school? Like some way to make the work more meaningful than just the grade book or just making their parents or their teacher happy.
0: Especially in this day and age, we're always competing with what kids are thinking about they're going to do after school. Because if, if, if what we're doing in the classroom isn't more engaging than that, then the kids are going to be thinking about, OK, what am I going to be playing after school? What am I going to be doing? Or if we can make it more engaging, then we got them. So, I mean, I think that's great advice.
1: Yeah. And, and can, I, can I you asked for three. Can I give you one more real quick? Give me one more. Give me a good uh, one. I want a good one. Uh, you're going to like it. it. It's all about building relationships with kids. You know, I, I think sometimes teachers feel this pressure to be funny. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm not funny. Kids will never like me. Or, oh, I don't have these crazy ideas. Or maybe I'm not a loud person like me. And I don't like jumping on tables or doing all, you know what I mean? Like, and you get this pressure like, oh, I can't be that. That's not what kids want fundamentally. You know, how can you be one of the most important relationships for a kid to where when they're in your room, they're thinking about how much you care for them. And therefore, we'll do anything for you, including writing boring papers or learning MLA format. So I think at the heart, of an engaging classroom has always been and always will be strong relationships.
0: Trevor, you gave us a lot to think about, and I hope people listening to this can at least take one or two things away that are going to make their year, if they're still teaching right now, more exciting and more fun, or if maybe in the fall, more exciting, more fun. So thanks so much for coming on, Trevor.
1: Thank you for your attention. And remember to always put your own mask on first before helping others. Before, before helping, helping others. others. Before, before helping, others. helping
0: others. Before helping others.
1: You've been listening to Teacher's Aid, social and emotional support for the very personal challenges Teachers Fits. Thanks for listening.
0: This episode of Teacher's Aid is sponsored by the Flipped Learning Global Initiative at flglobal.org slash community. Take a look. See how we can help.